0: Welcome and thank you for tuning into the Graceland Church podcast. Our mission is to follow Jesus and love our neighbor for the good of the city. We'd like to welcome you to Graceland Church. If I don't know you yet, I'm Nathan. I'm honored to be our lead pastor here. And I want to celebrate a few things before I get into the message today. First of all, how awesome was that baby dedication? I love getting to do that, it's one of my favorite things. Um, If you are having babies and want them dedicated, let me know. Um, I was really celebrating seeing all the different Thanksgiving celebrations all around our town, uh, different people in the church family, hanging out with friends, hanging out with loved ones, family. It's a beautiful expression of the kingdom. And we also had a few other things happen. Our very first inaugural brotherhood meeting we had last Sunday night. There's some of us over at Just Love Coffee. Uh, James was leading us in worship. We had, it was 40 or 50 of our guys and and there's another 40 or 50 that couldn't be there. And we are committing uh, to a, a year together in 2023, and we'll re-up the commitment at the end of next year, to grow as to of Jesus and as men following after his heart. So if you're a man here, young or old, we'd love for you to be a part of that. We're going to be releasing a full syllabus for the year of 2023 um, uh, in the next few weeks, and we'll let you know about that. We also had our youth go to youth convention. Let's hear it for them. Come on. That's the crew that went. They went over to Opryland, and I just heard awesome stories about them seeking the Lord and uh, pressing into the presence of God. And one of my daughters is a part of that. We've gone from, uh, and shout out to Pastor Oscar, Lauren, others on the team, Abby, I'm not gonna be able to name everybody right now, but thank you guys for serving. Uh, we've gone from no uh, youth group just a few years ago to a youth group of, that. I think we sent about 15 to camp, and there might be 20, 25 kids. And there's about 15 kids that are gonna graduate into our youth group uh, next year as they just keep getting older. So be praying uh, for the youth of our church, you with me on that, guys? Praying they would grow up knowing Jesus, um, hearing His voice. Um, we also got to celebrate baptisms last week. With I'm, I'm really still glowing from that because uh, my daughter Nessa was one of them. And then today, I just found out that one of our newest missionaries. I'm not going to name them because they're going to a sensitive area. But they leave, I believe, tomorrow for Kuwait. Uh, they are going there with their two little ones. Um, As missionaries for, I believe, a four-year term, we support dozens of missionaries all over the world, and this particular assignment uh, is them going to a place where there's almost no witness for the gospel of Jesus at all, and it's a bit dangerous, so I want to pray for them. Can you guys join with me on that? Lord, we thank you for this couple, for their little ones that are saying yes to this specific call uh, to go over to the Middle East and to serve and to build relationships and to share the good news of Jesus and bring... um, Uh, stimulation and hope and freedom wherever they can to whatever situation they encounter. We pray that you'll protect protect them, cover them, and guide their steps. Uh, We pray that it will be Holy Spirit-directed ministry in Jesus' name. Amen. I remember leading a youth trip back when I was a youth pastor, Pastor Oscar. We were taking... Um, three 15-passenger vans to acquire the fire slash battle cry. Anybody remember those events with Ron Luce? And uh, we were in the Northeast, so we were in the giant stadium. So it was like New York City slash Jersey. We're driving all around there. I'm in my mid-20s. I'm, I'm, I think I was newly married to Jessica. I looked at my daughter to say she has no idea. And um, we're driving around with all these kids, and we got lost, no joke, like four times on the streets of New York City or New Jersey, wherever we happen to be, and I was getting pretty frustrated and kind of nervous and wanting to blame people. You guys know the feeling I'm talking about? And yet you're responsible for all these kids. And uh, there was one verse that God would not let me escape from in my thoughts, and this is what it was. Consider it pure joy. And I was like, no, God. You know that wrestling match? My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, consider it pure joy. There was another trip I was leading a different time in New York City, a missions work, and I was again driving a 15-passenger van through the streets of Manhattan and Brooklyn as people kept on saying, pull over here, pull over here, pull over here, and I was again getting frustrated, and again, the Spirit of God is letting me know, Nathan, you need to learn how to consider things like this pure joy. Joy and it began a lifelong lesson for me. I'd love to say I've arrived. Has anybody here arrived at this? Can you wave your hand at me? Because I'll take you to coffee. I want to, okay, I'll take you to coffee. I want to know the secret. How old are you? 12. I'm glad you learned this, the, the secret. <laughs> awesome. Here's what the rest of the verse says. Here's why. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, and let perseverance finish, finish its work so that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything. I do think that once I arrive at this more, I'm gonna become one of those pastors that says, mature, mature. (laughs) I feel like older pastors that I've listened to would say, becoming mature and complete. And I just feel like I haven't arrived yet. I still have to say mature. So I wanna do a poll. How many of you guys are with me, the lowly, that say mature? All right, good amount. How many of you guys are the elite, close to arriving at perfect holiness, and say, mature. No one wants to raise their hand. Now, Jim. Yes, Jim (laughs) Bozeman. He's on our board. He's one of our leaders, so we are in good hands. (laughs) Today, we're looking at the topic of joy and considering it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds, and we're starting our series through the season of Advent. And Advent is a word that simply means arrival. And I want to read you from the Bible Project a bit of the history. Advent is a season in the church calendar dedicated to the hopeful anticipation for the arrival or advent of Jesus of Nazareth. During the four-week period leading up to Christmas, many Advent observers engage in prayer, meditation, and scripture study that emphasizes hope, peace, love, and joy. Christians from many backgrounds celebrate this time, and while their practices may look different, all focus on the hope-filled arrival of Jesus, the long-awaited Messiah and King. And then I want to read you another bit of background from Glenn Packiam to give even another angle to it. Advent helps us remember that we live in between two arrivals. We live between the first arrival of Jesus at that first Christmas and his return, his upcoming arrival. So we live as people of joy and expectation, people who have great comfort and are full of the good news, yet people who ache for the restoration of all things. And doesn't that describe what it's like as a follower of Jesus? If we know him, we know peace and we have good news and we have joy, but we also longingly await the return of Christ where he makes all things new. Who's with me? This is what we're remembering at Advent, both of those arrivals. And today we're going to talk about choosing joy. And I hope you'll commit to be here the next few weeks where we're going to look at choosing peace, choosing hope, and choosing love leading up to our Christmas Eve service. And number one is this, joy is a choice. We often don't live like joy is a choice. I like how theologian Henry Nouwen put it, joy does not simply happen to us. We have to choose joy and keep choosing it every day. So not only is it a choice, it's a daily choice and probably even a multiple times a day choice. And I know when we hear things like that, we often think that's a nice idea, Pastor Nathan. It's easy to say when things are going well. It's easy to say when you're smiling and happy and have reasons for joy and hope. But I want to give you a bit of context to the first ever announcement of joy, the advent of Jesus at the first Christmas, that's really going to hopefully help change our perspective on this. And number two in your notes is this. The announcement about Jesus came during a time of crisis. It was not a time where you think that people would be naturally joyful. Most people were surrounded by intense difficulty, trouble, and danger. To start off with, They had been waiting over 400 years since God had last spoken at the end of the Old Testament period. It's called the intertestamental period when they were waiting on the Messiah, the promise of God. It took 400 years for the announcement of Jesus and then his birth into human history. Now, I don't know about you, but 400 years is a pretty long time to wait. And I know many of us here are waiting on God for things like healing, maybe in us or a loved one, or the right job or provision, or the things that he has spoken to us to come to fruition, or the restoration of relationships, or maybe we're just waiting to to grow more in the Lord and we're frustrated with our own progress, but I wanna encourage you, take heart. They were waiting 400 years, right? What seems long to us doesn't always necessarily seem long to the Lord. And then on top of the waiting, when he finally did arrive, They were surrounded by all kinds of religious hypocrisy. There were the Pharisees, the Sadducees, which were the so-called religious and spiritual leaders of the day, and they were largely corrupt. There was spiritual confusion. People did not know who to trust. What is truth is what Pilate asked Jesus. Very similar question that we find ourselves asking today. There was political conflict so intense that there were clearly drawn lines between different categories of people that would not associate, and hated each other, far more divided than what we're experiencing here. There was deep economic crisis. There was injustice and oppression that went overlooked and unseen for generations. Things were not going well. Circumstances were not lining up, and people were defeated and desperate. That is what Jesus entered into. Let's read the text, Luke 2, verses 8 through 14. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. So when these angels came and made this announcement, the context of crisis is what it entered into. And the third principle is this, the good news that brings great joy broke into the mess of human history. God breaks into the story. The theological word for that is the incarnation. God becomes man and breaks into it. Not a nice situation, not a place where he can be comfortable and just be set up as king and have people serve him, but an absolute mess, anger, betrayal, pain, hurt, injustice. He breaks into that and the world has never been the same. That was 2,000 years ago, and to this day, the followers of Jesus all around the world and generation from generation continue to be his hands and feet, bringing hope, bringing compassion, bringing truth, bringing love, bringing healing, bringing renewal. I don't know if you know this, but by far, the organizations doing the best work in the world around compassion and meeting needs, emotional, physical, spiritual, are followers of Jesus. They live sacrificially because they've been touched and transformed by God, and they have compassion for the world around them. Now, you and I both know that lots of other things have been done in the name of Jesus that are horrible, that don't at all represent who Jesus is, but the truth about Jesus still changes everything. He breaks in to the mess of humanity, and I want to give you four principles as your next four points on how you and how I can choose joy this Advent season. The first is this, and it's number four in your notes. Choose joy by remembering the promises of God break into your mess. It's not just that God breaks into human history, it's that he breaks into your history. Let's just be honest in the house. How many of you have sometimes made a mess of your life? Aren't we glad that this very good news we're talking about is the living God breaking into our mess, not once we get it cleaned up, but while we're in the midst of making it. This is incredible news. The ultimate promise, the promise of salvation. James said it in the middle of worship, the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. He breaks into our life. He promises peace in the storm. He promises hope when there seems to be no hope. And I'm telling you guys, I. Am halfway ish through my life, and I've never sensed such a deep, unshakable hope in my life. I have had times in my life as a pastor, as a follower of Jesus, as someone people would not think this of, that I felt hopeless and I just couldn't see and I just couldn't figure out why, why is everyone so happy? (laughs) How are people living? How are people breathing and going about all this? I had somehow lost sight of it. Has anyone ever been there? I've been there multiple times in my adult life as a Christian. The enemy loves to do that as he causes confusion in our minds. And there's something about learning to choose the joy that is based on his promises, not the reality going on in our world. All of our hope is based on him, not us, right? And our emotions and what we feel like we can or can't see at any given moment are not our basis for hope. Have you learned that emotions are not a very good barometer for truth? It doesn't matter how you feel. It matters because we care about you. God cares about you, but it doesn't matter as far as what is true. And I believe God is interested in digging deeper into your heart the foundation of truth, which therefore you can access and say, I choose joy because of that. Because even in the middle of this mess, mess, this is still true. And then you can make your decisions based on that. Number five, choose joy by paying attention to what you're paying attention to, the good news or the bad news. What is on repeat in your mind? What story are you telling yourself about you and about the world you live in and about who God is? and about what truth is, and about what our hope is in. What story are you living in? Because it's the story that you're telling yourself. It's not just dependent on what's happening in your circumstance. It's entirely what you do with it. And I'm telling you, it's usually based directly on what you're looking at and what you're listening to. That's why you have to pay attention to what you're paying attention to. If you're finding yourself not accessing the joy of the Lord that is unshakable, let me just ask you, what are you looking at all the time? If you find yourself looking at just social media, some people look at social media hours a day and hardly have any time for the promises of God through Scripture or commitment to a local body. I'm telling you, it's going to be hard to access joy because that's not necessarily life-giving. Some of us are listening to certain music or podcasts or television shows or media or evening news or whatever it is. We let that shape the story that we now believe and live in, but it's not true. So you got to pay attention to what you're listening to. What is shaping the story you're in? If it's not scripture and the truth of his word and the truth of being part, a part of the fellowship of his body, you're going to start to veer off course. This is just simple logic. It's easier said than done, but joy is not circumstance-based ever. It is based on where we place our attention and hope. And I'm sure you've realized this because at the top of the hill, when you feel like everything's going great, you're not necessarily more joyful. (laughs) Have you noticed that? And at the very bottom of the hill, when you're a mess, sometimes it could be the place where you can access the joy the best. It is not based on circumstance. It is based on where we place our attention. This author says it this way, joy is the kind of happiness that doesn't depend on what happens. That's really good news. Charlotte Fritz says, we often make joy contingent on certain criteria. When I get married, I'll be happy. When I get that job, I'll have joy. When I can afford that designer bag, not necessarily my temptation, but when I can afford that designer bag, then I'll know I've made it, and then I'll be satisfied. It's not bags for me, but I have a lot of things that I would put in that blank. When this happens, when I get here, when I get, this kind of, when I get to this kind of place in life, I've told myself for years, then I'll be satisfied. But studies show that making joy dependent on some future event or possession only postpones joy. Often when we finally get what we want, we start longing for the next thing on our wish list and we simply move our criteria for joy further down the line. But focusing on the blessings we already have inspires joy in the present. And I like what she says here at the end. It is not joy that makes us grateful. It is gratitude that makes us joyful. That's why the season of Thanksgiving and commitment to a posture of gratitude is so powerful. And I want to clarify, this is not to say that we're meant to be the kind of Christians that just stick our head in the sand and act like everything's fine when it's not. You know what I'm talking about? Like God has not called us to be people that ignore when the house is on fire. Like we should pay attention to reality. And this sixth principle helps us there. Choose joy by acknowledging the problems, but clinging to the promises. You might just want to get that phrase in your mind. I acknowledge the problem but I cling to the promise. Yes, I have a financial need, but God has promised to take care of everything I need as I seek first his kingdom. Yes, I may need restoration in a relationship, and God has promised that he will pull us through, he will give us the power to forgive. Yes, I may have made these mistakes, but God has promised that it is his kindness that leads us to repentance. Over and over with the big and the small, we walk like this. The problem is we sometimes acknowledge the promise and cling to the problem. You see the difference? I, I, I thank you, God, that you are a provider, but I'm really gonna cling to the fact here that I have this financial need and live a worried life 24 seven. Thank you, God, kind of acknowledge God that you've promised you are the restorer of relationships and you'll empower me to forgive. You'll empower them to forgive, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna cling to the fact that this relationship is broken and I'm gonna just be sad about it for the rest of my life. See the difference? You acknowledge the problem, but cling to the promise. I have to do this multiple times every day. Anybody with me? You can start a day great, just like seeking God and in his presence. By 11 a.m., something has frustrated you. You've let someone down. Someone has let you down. Some kind of worry has been reminded in your mind and heart, and you gotta decide, what do I do with all these problems, right? Anybody with me? Am I the only one? What do we do with all these problems? Acknowledge them, cling to the promise, Right? So we can then walk through it with joy. So, in the middle of any circumstance you're facing this Christmas season, literally anything, you can hear the announcement of Jesus that is good news and brings great joy. I have joy because the promises of God are stronger than the promises, sorry, than the problems of this world. I was on the phone with a brother this week who's going through a hard time, and we, we centered our prayer around the promise of Jesus that said, in this world, you will have trouble. Did you know that was one of his promises? He actually said that to, to his disciples. Guys, by the way, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So when you're in the middle of the trouble... You can acknowledge it, but you can say I take heart because Jesus has overcome the world. And sometimes that's all you can cling to because nothing is changing yet. You guys with me? And then the last principle and really the heart of the Advent season is choose joy because God is always with you. This is the entire idea of the arrival or advent of Jesus. Look at Matthew 1:22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to his son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. His name is that he is with us. God cannot break his own character and God cannot and will not change his name. He is with us. If you feel like you've lost him, you're wrong. He's with you. It's his name. Rejoice in the Lord always, Philippians says. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to to all. Why? Because the Lord is near. Emmanuel, God with us. This is that unshakable hope that I'm talking about. And I don't know if you're aware of this, but the Apostle Paul who wrote the book of Philippians wrote a book centering on the joy of the Lord while in a prison cell in Rome. He was routinely beaten, shipwrecked, and imprisoned. And yet his heart cry is for us to constantly live with joy because the Lord is with us. And he's demonstrating that for us by writing this to us while in prison. I'm gonna ask the worship team to come on up. We're gonna spend a little bit of time responding to God's word, seeking him, paying attention to his word, and pressing into his presence. We've we've allotted time for this, so don't worry about time. Kids are fine. Let's just focus in on the Lord and respond together. I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but... Sometimes it's the people that have the least that walk with the most joy. So counterintuitive. Sometimes it's in the middle of hospital rooms where people are suffering their most difficult moments that they get in touch with the deepest joy. Jim, do you mind if I say a couple words about your story? Okay, thanks for not saying no, that would have been awkward. <laughs> I, I meant to ask you before service. <laughs> He's also the one that um, says mature, so we're good. <laughs> Jim um, lost his beloved just not long ago to COVID pneumonia and that very same day, that she went home to be with Jesus, was in the hospital himself fighting the same thing. And not exaggerating, I believe it was just a couple hours after he got the news about his loved one, I was with him there in the hospital. He had just found out. And we sat together. There are no words for such moments. We did not know what was gonna happen with Jim. He had been through the ringer himself. And what I remember the most about that hour or two was the overwhelming sense of the presence of God. That Jim manifested is not the right word, but God manifested his presence to us and through Jim. And I got to be a part of it while Jim was suffering uh, among the deepest losses of his life. And this is not a pity party at all he has he's brought these things to the Lord but that was the second love of his life that he lost his uh, wife had died years and years before that and uh, I remember us sitting there and talking through why why would God entrust to you Jim the loss of both the loves of your life when before their time when many people don't lose one why we have no idea we don't understand he wrestles with God through that, but there we sat in the presence of God as Jim wept before the Lord with, dare I say it, joy. Not happiness, not dancing, overwhelmed with sorrow, but the depths of joy that are found in his presence. Am I right in saying this, Jim? This is the story. It is in hospital rooms. It is when we're facing our deepest loss, it is when we have the least that we can most access the kind of joy the Lord wants to teach us about. That's why we should not fight to cling to more. That's why we live like this, because it's all the Lord's anyway. We find life by releasing. So Lord, I pray that you'll teach us about true joy, the unshakable hope that's deeper than our emotions, deeper than our thoughts, deeper than our understanding, deeper than absolutely any wave that could toss us around throughout this life. There is a deeper rock that our life is built on where we can access joy. And so I pray for each person here. I don't know exactly where they are, but I pray that they would bring their heart before you right now as I'm praying, as we're about to sing and just say, God, I wanna walk with you. I want to walk with this joy. I want to walk with this peace. I want to remember the advent, the arrival of the savior that broke into the world and broke into my life. I want to remember that this salvation, this is the work of the Lord and I can rest in it. I can bring my whole self to you, Lord. And I also want to longingly look for that second advent, the return of the Lord, the promise of the new heavens and the new earth when all things are made new. God, we stand right in the middle, as the song says. And right here, we want to meet with you again. Right here, we want to recall your promises again and choose joy. Lord, we thank you that you're with us. We thank you that we can choose to walk on your promises because you're always with us. You're always beside us. And Lord, I pray for each person today, God, as they continue into this Advent season, this time of Christmas, this time of Thanksgiving, uh, that we would, God, keep at the very forefront of our thoughts your truth, Lord. I pray that you will help us walk in the transformation that you bought for us on Calvary. Lord, you call us to new life. You make us a new creation. Teach us to walk in it. Teach us to grow up into the faith, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. I'm gonna pray this benediction over us, um, but I'd love us to just sing that simple chorus again. Um, and I'd love for you guys to uh, just commit to coming these weeks when we study peace, hope, and love. It's gonna lead up to a Christmas Eve where we're gonna attempt a big Christmas Eve service right here in at one time with both our services. We're gonna to try to add a lot of chairs in here, open up the wall in the back, four to five p.m. on Christmas Eve. It's gonna be candlelight, it's gonna be beautiful. Um, the kids will do some specials, I'll share a message, we'll sing carols, we'll worship the Lord. And then nothing on Christmas Day. We're not gathering in person at all. No online service either. The Christmas Eve service will be our service for that weekend. And then New Year's Day, one big service at 10.30 a.m. So a family-style service altogether. Um, We'll probably have to have some more chairs for that one too. And then we're back to our normal rhythm the following week. And uh, our 21 days of prayer and fasting is January 9 to 29. And we're going to be talking about it this whole month. But I'm asking you guys to prayerfully get ready for it. I've asked all the men that are in that brotherhood to commit to it. And it's not going to, of course, be all food for 21 days. You can fast media or one meal a day, all kinds of things. But we're just believing God is going to move powerfully in our church going into 2023. You know, we're seeking Him and asking Him to show up in power. So, James, can we sing that that chorus one more time? Yeah. Let's sing it, church. Lift your voice. Would you meet me here again? Not enough not enough unless you come, would you meet me here again? So I want so you are would you meet me here again? I'm gonna pray this benediction then Nessa has requested to say we are dismissed. So we're going to do it as a team today. Let us go with Jesus, the light who guides us on our way. May our hope be in the Savior of the world who brings good news that brings great joy for all the people. May the God of peace, our constant companion, lead us along the paths of hope and give us the joy of being united in God's love. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We can all be dismissed. (laughs) Love you guys.